Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Marvel's Secret Invasion. <sighs> Help me, Talos, because I'm useless without you. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Secret Invasion, Episode 3, titled Betrayed, directed by Ali Saleem. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, just before we go any further, I do want to remind you listening that we have opened up our Discord, and you can talk about this very show directly with us. Uh, so if you're listening to this Watch Club and you want to chime in with your theories or thoughts, or maybe just tell us, you're totally off on this, This is you're, you're wrong, you can do so by joining our Discord using the link in our description, and then jumping into the spoilers channel for this show. We've also got spoiler channels open up for other various shows and movies uh, as we proceed through the hottest of hot geek summers. Uh, but before we're all betrayed, let me introduce you to my fellow Skrulls. Joining me today, beaming down once again, we have a Donovan, a Dudley, a certified doctor, a dapper Dan, and always a delightful young man. He's Darcy, the Green Lovin' Hudson. Yeah, Disney reference. I like it. I'm just going to keep... <laughs> The more episodes you're on for Watch Club for this, I'm just going to keep adding as many references as I can. I literally was just searching, like, characters that start with D. Uh, <laughs> and there are quite a few, so uh, that definitely worked. But joining us uh, for the first time since our spoiler-free review of this series, uh, with a fresh new look, he's a Ken, a Klaus, a Kermit, and sometimes a Krusty. He's Kevin the Cree Killer Hudson. I'll tell you what, I am a little crusty because I am sweaty because this is the hottest of hot geek summers. Whew, it's we were so setting hot. records. We were setting records earlier this week. It is hot. It's nice to be in the air conditioned basement doing one of these with you guys, let me tell you. Oh, see, I I kind of wish I was in a bit I mean I'm on the upper floor of the house, so it's like it's not it's it's not good. I'm sweating quite you a bit. Can't, <laughs> you can't run your fan during these recordings. No, oh, man. But. So like I've got my lights off and I, I think I'll be okay. Um, but yeah, it is super, it is super spicy and it's funny being in Canada, you know, normally we're like, it's, it's always cold and we're like, well, we should never complain about the heat, but it's getting, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. What's, what, what, what's the rule? You're not allowed to co complain about winter if you ever complain about the heat during <laughs> summer. So I've now screwed myself for six months later this year. I'm not allowed That's to it. complain about winter now. Not once. <laughs> you better not. Um, but you know, sometimes Sometimes with when it's crazy heat in Canada or extremely cold, it makes me want to leave this planet entirely. Not just Canada, just the entire planet. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, in the in the spirit of this series, before we get into this week's episode, if you could invade any fictional planet and take it over, which one would it be, and would you go about it peacefully? And Darcy, I want to start with your answer. I mean, it would definitely be peacefully. I mean, although would it be an invasion if it's peaceful? I feel like I was going to say, how I'm can you invade peacefully? A secret I'm invasion. There. <laughs> I'm moving there. That's just what I'm thinking. Probably somewhere in the Star Wars galaxy. I don't know. Yeah. I, I've never really thought about it, but there's some really cool planets out there. I'm sure I could, you know, 
move to one and have a great time as long as I stay off, uh, you know, the Empire's path or whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely not Mustafar. I think no, Canada I, feels like Mustafar hot, right now. Yeah. Definitely not hot. Not hot. Go for a nice, nice like middle of the ground where it's always fall. Oh, give me a planet. Oh, like yeah, that I think we've happy. seen some planets that are like fallish planets. Hey, the forest mood of Endor seemed like a very temperate. Oh, there you go. Yes, you know, I just worried for the bugs in such a giant forest. Big forest. Ooh, that's big very bugs. true. Uh. I mean, I think the Ewoks. The Ewoks might have solved that by now. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Kevin, how about yourself? Where are you going, and, and are you going to do it peacefully? Uh, definitely going to go peacefully. I'm not. Uh, mm. I'm not like a, a, the warmongering type. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I decided to go a little off the rails on this one. So many of the most recognized planets in in science fiction are not places I'd want to go. You know, like a LV four two six from the Alien movies. No thanks. I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the Star Wars planets, like Dagobah, like, ooh, let's go to a swamp planet. No. Tatooine, yeah. we're already complaining about the heat. I don't need a desert planet. <laughs> so I went I went a little off the rails here, and I'm going to go visit Arda. Now, okay. now, I don't know if even you know this, Nate. No. Arda is actually the home planet of uh, Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings. Wait, What? Yes, I, I just learned this myself, and so no I way. would go visit Middle Earth. I think that would be a really cool place to check out, as long as it's not during, you know, one of the many Sauron upheavals. I think otherwise right. it would be a really neat place to, to sort of journey and explore. So yeah, I'm going off the rails. Oh, I know I went wow. a little more fantasy than sci-fi, but no, I, I love okay. it. No, I love that. I wasn't even thinking in the realm of books or anything like that. That just opens the door to so many great options. Jeez. That's interesting. That or if I find the ring, then I'm invading like a, a mofo and taking over. <laughs> I could beat the hobbits. I could beat those little hobbit bastards. I know it. Well, no, I mean, even keeping in spirit of, of this show, like if you maybe recover some elf DNA, would you be able to then live as long as they do? You know oh. what I mean? I guess scrolls already live pretty long, but not as long as elves, I don't think. I don't think so. Some of them are getting really. (laughs) I got to start pushing my glasses up for this conversation. (laughs) Um, I think uh, for myself, I'm going to go with an answer that I think I've given before on this podcast. But I want to. I just give me Coruscant. Give me Coruscant. I'm going to scroll invade as like a political leader in Coruscant. But I want to be a political leader that's like a fun. Gets to do the fun stuff. You know what I mean? I want to be able to decide like, uh, okay. Every uh, Tongs Day or whatever they say is like, it's pool night. And it's like everyone legally has to go to the pool and swim and have fun. And like that would be, <laughs> I would take right. over Coruscant that, that, that could, way. That could get naughty real quick. I like it. I'm, <laughs> I'm visiting Coruscant when you take over, bud. Right? The, the, the Las Vegasification of Coruscant with me at the, at the helm? Come on, let's go. That's a let's lot go. of neon lights. <laughs> And a lot of spotchka. Um, but <laughs> before we get even more uh, geeky, um, and and before we maybe mention Gaia uh, in a negative light and Talos just rips us apart, um, or Talos, as I've been remembering to, to say it properly, uh, and this episode actually was very helpful for that. Let's get into this episode. This week we pick back up um, uh, where we start off with looking at Pagan, Xerxu, and Beto, or Beto, uh, preparing for a covert mission to infiltrate the Royal Navy and execute a strike on a key United Nations target. Uh, Beto questions whether or not Gravik's plan will work, and Pagan reminds him that faith is built on risk, so risks must be taken. 
he then proceeds to hand out the officer service records uh, for the various British officers they'll be disguised as. We then see Gravik meeting the, with the council inside the lab uh, that we saw in last week's episode. He reveals to them that they'll all become Super Skrulls, uh, and that while the humans are at all out war in the coming weeks, that's when they'll strike the final blow, saying, you know, we'll break their backs. Uh, he invites them to join him uh, in the extinction of the human race. So kind of diving off of this moment here, I think this was kind of, um, this really sped things up for the series to kind of be like, like like last week we're like, they're going to do Super Scrolls probably based off of what we saw. And then this week they're like, we're doing Super Scrolls, okay? Just so you know, we're, it's, it's happening right now. Um, but <laughs> with that said, um, you know, do you think the council is going to go along with this? Uh, and how do you think he'll keep the council from becoming more powerful than he is? I mean, he's calling the shots right now. What choice do they have? They they have made, you know, this mess. They're going to have to deal with it and just sort of put up. You could see that they were uncomfortable. You could see that they were like, oh, shit, what did we do here? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think he also, again, has complete control of the situation. So, you know, mm. he'll give them reasonable enhancements, but I think he would control every single step of that. I don't think that's stepping into this machine and, you know, selecting off a menu what sort of superpowers you want. <laughs> He'll tailor what he allows you to have based on what he needs you to do. So, no, Ooh. I think I think he's got complete control here. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that 100%. And, like, the fact that they look so uncomfortable kind of also calls back to their comic origins where science and winning through the mind or using your brain to, to figure out a problem wasn't always their way. They were just, you know, kill first, ask questions later type thing. So the fact that you can almost see that in this, this council that, of warmongering species, they're like, do we need to? Like, what, What's wrong with our current tactics? Aren't we already strong enough? Why do we need to become like them? It's very interesting. Well, and I think, too, like the, the fact that they, yes, they do seem apprehensive, but it also seems like the right play to involve the council as opposed to maybe um, just some of the folks that he like Pagan and some of the other folks that he's sort of are under him in a way, uh, in a sense that like it does seem like the council, they've been living these sort of cushy lives of of getting to be these powerful beings amongst the humans. So clearly power is something that they probably like. Otherwise, they I don't know how much they would be you know, continuing to like enjoy their, their life. And I don't know that, that news guy that is that actor that you really love, Kevin. Um, what's that Chris guy's McDonald. name? Yeah. yeah. Shooter McGavin. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, he feels like the exact right target to be like, Hey, you want more power? He'd be like, yum, 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 yum. So, um, yeah, I think oh, he's the Tucker Carlson of this, of this plan that he's got going <laughs> yeah. on here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have, I, I have, I'll talk about this more later, but I feel like their connection with the hosts goes more than just the skin. It's like skin deep. So, oh, uh, talk about that later on in the episode because we do see a lot of shells. <laughs> Intriguing. Okay. Well, when we get there, I, I want to hear what you're talking about. So, um, let's keep going here. Um, we then cut back to New York City, circa 1998, and we see a younger, lone Nick Fury. I, I originally put lonely Nick Fury. He did look kind of lonely. Uh, walking into the 93rd diner where we see him meeting Vara for the first time in what feels like a while. She's taken on a new look, provides him with some intel, and flirts with him, reminding him that she no longer works for him, so they can, they can 
you know, bang and stuff. Um, then we cut back to current time uh, and we see Fury making some poached eggs while listening to the scroll version of Chris Stearns on the news. Uh, Shooter McGavin. Uh, we see that due to his absence, both involuntary and voluntary, his relationship with Priscilla isn't exactly what it was back in 1998. Uh, Priscilla gets a phone call tells the person on the other end that she doesn't have that information at hand right now, uh, denies that it was anything important, and walks away. So um, really quickly, before we kind of talk about the, the interaction between Fury and his wife as to whether or not, you know, maybe he, did he clock that she was lying to him, did, you, did either of you catch the interesting name drop uh, from Vara in the diner? Oh, do I get to do one? I never get to do Take one. Take it, Kev. Yeah, I never had it. To go. I never had it. Um, <laughs> The name she drops um, is General, or Dr- just Dravik, but mm-hmm. we would know him as General Dravik. Or no, Drakov. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yes, sorry, of the Red Room, obviously from uh, the Black Widow movie, the criminally underrated Black uh, Widow movie, in my mm. opinion. Mm. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, Drakov, like, she was work. I guess Natasha was working for him when she was part of the KGB, and then having to take him down because of to prove her loyalty to shield. I think it's such a cool Easter egg that they managed to slip that in there in a sense that like it ties it into the grander MCU. And not only that, but like, can we get more 90s stories in the MCU? You know what I mean? Like, this seems like a pretty like interesting time uh, to be pulling some of this stuff from. And I, I like how this series keeps diving back to the 90s. I think it's pretty neat. And so hopefully you know, we'll, we'll get more, but I just, I don't know. I want to spend time in the nineties at shield and different things like that. I think it would be cool. When, when the threats are more terrestrial, they're more human based, you know, they're, they're dealing with the, you know, the human conflicts, not the, the outer world and super powered ones uh, nearly as much, even though, you know, the, the scrolls have made an appearance at this time. Uh, it's obviously unbeknownst to any of them just at what rate this is taking place. So yeah, it's 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 very more localized the the issues they'd be dealing with at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I I do want to give a kudos uh to Darcy for calling last week that yes, uh Vara and obviously we'll get into it at the end of the episode as well. But yes, Vara is not fully on Fury's side and we'll we'll talk about which side she might be on a little bit later because I still have some doubts but I do want to just give a, a little bit of kudos I think you even were saying it as a joke last week <laughs> no I mean again I, when you think about it even if she was a Skrull it's, she can still be kind of sketchy because she is a Skrull right and he's, that's his enemy right now if he's been gone for so long how is she taking his his departure and again clearly it uh it, it hit harder than Nick Fury would have thought where she, like the fact that she became who she was before he met him was the, the giveaway that I'm like, Oh, maybe she, maybe she up to no good. Mm. Mm. It's almost more personal for her, right? Like he promised mm-hmm. them all a home and you know, the home that he promised her is the one that she's in and was alone in even after he returned from the blip. He still hasn't given her, he's not giving her that home. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though she seems quite understanding with who he is and what that entails, you know, he wasn't forced necessarily to leave her this time. It was a choice he made, and mm-hmm. she wants to. You know, she needs some explanation there. I, you know, mm-hmm. well, and I think I think the performance, uh, it, you know, on, on for uh, the woman who plays Vara. I don't have her name listed here, um, but I think uh, you can tell the exact moment that yes, she absolutely is lying 
uh, to Nick in that moment because he, he says the name Gravik and her eyes immediately dart to the left. Right. And so it's just like one of those subtle things that like watching it back again. I didn't catch it the first time, but watching it back again, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, she's she's up to something. And I think I think as well, like, you know, it's been what five was it five years that he was gone? And then would it have been even more that he went to went up into into space and then came back? Uh, like, I, I'm trying to think of when the blip was supposed to return everybody. I'm trying to. Was that 2020? Was it like, were they at that point on pace with our current time? You know, I'm trying to. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit messy. If you listen, but it was years. It was clearly know. years that he was up in space and had left her. I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah, on, on his own, out of his own choice, and I wonder how long she knew that. Um, but you know, I think he said in the first episode he only allows two lies. So it'll hopefully she doesn't lie again, although I feel like she's going to. Um, but let's keep going here. We, we then see Gaia woken up by Gravik, who doubts her and begins questioning uh, ha, you know, about how Brogan was able to confess to something he didn't know. And Gaia tries to convince him, saying like he was forced under torture. He had to make an educated guess. Uh, and then Ga- uh, Gravik brings Gaia with him to a parlay called on upon by her father, Talos. Uh, and while on the way to this meeting, um, Gravik gets a phone call and confirms that the UN plane will be at Neptune's coordinates at 2200 hours. And I'm like, I had like watching it back and knowing everything that happens. I half expected to see him like, like look over at guy, like it's going to be 2200 hours guy. Like, you know, just <laughs> be aware of this. Um, but I, you know, she, she uses her burner phone to write it down. Uh, and then inside the History Museum, we see Gravik commenting on a painting, mentioning to Talos the differences between statesmen and soldiers, saying how he'd rather have his name written in blood than paint and ink. Um, and then this was kind of the, the for me, one of my favorite parts of this episode. They sit down for a conversation. Talos asks him to stand down and even offers Gravik an honor meeting. Darcy, an honor meeting. Is that something that would, be, would have been in the comics? Is that something that, that Skrulls do? Uh, again, it's been a while since I've brushed up on my scroll <laughs> knowledge, so I honestly could not tell you. I've got okay. a very fleeting memory of It of sounds, scroll to lore. me, it reminded me of like, what's, I can't remember what it's called, but in Black Panther, like when they, when they do like the challenge, right? And they, mm. something like that. Um, I think of like, uh, I'm thinking like, uh, like D- the Dothraki in Game of Thrones and it's like, you know, you go and you go. just. With, with you know hand to hand or you know similar weapon sort of combat and the last man standing you know that's definitely what I, I it felt he was mm-hmm. he was ready to die for his beliefs in that scene you know interesting mm-hmm. um, Gravik denies him though uh, and tells him that he should be grateful that he hasn't sent Gaia back in a body bag uh, Talos bursts out of his seat and begins to forcefully grab Gravik by the shoulders and as soon as he does every person in the room reveals themselves to be Skrulls as they all shift into Gravik. What a moment. Uh, Gravik motions for them to stand down, uh, and they shift back. Talos warns Gravik that humans are at their most formidable when they're threatened by a common by a common enemy. He says that he'll tell every army who their enemy is, uh, and that they'll see the difference between himself and Gravik and his people. Gravik responds by mentioning Gaia again, and Talos stabs a knife right through Gravik's hand, telling him that now until the end of time, his daughter's name stays out of Gravik's mouth. Uh, keep my daughter's name out your oh, motherfucking mouth. <laughs> I can think it was Will Smith, man. Absolutely. 
as Talos walks away, Gravik, now uh, embarrassed, heals himself with his extremis power. So let's talk about this incredible scene, this incredible sequence. Uh, and do you think Gravik, uh, no pun intended, had the upper hand at the end of this conversation, or was it more on Talos' side? Well, I think he definitely took Gravik unawares with the fact, like his his passion and intensity, because Gravik sees this guy as as a merciful, you know, terrible general that would never fight uh, again after the war that he lost. And clearly, this Talos is is at a place where he's going to start fighting again because his family is what matters to him, and right now his family is in danger. So mm. uh, I thought it was really cool. It's like the last family he has, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely badass, but. Gravik's in control here, man. This is all part of a plan that we see unfold throughout the episode. And, like, you know, he, he, he this is all part of a plan that he's just sort of letting play out. He Every step of this he's thought about and, and is expecting in one way or another, even if Talos was a bit more aggressive than he might have expected. Mm-hmm. And before we go any further, why does Gravik use so much sugar? Because I noticed this it. in the first episode, too. He put, like, six cubes of sugar in his coffee. And in this one, he's just dumping half the bottle in. Like, hey, he that, likes a little espresso with his sugar. <laughs> or is that, like, the fuel for the extremist that he's had in his system for longer than we've known? Like, it oh. isn't just a new thing. He's had it for a while. Maybe he needs and, some extra calories. Oh, Yeah, that's what okay. I'm wondering. Like, Because he's clearly been experimenting on himself. I'm not sure if the, the scientists know the way that he was kind of sneaking around there on his own. Oh, I like but, that. Uh, yeah. he's not actually a Skrull. He's one of the cockroach people from Men in <laughs> from Black. Men in Black. I was literally <laughs> just about to say, sugar, sugar water. Sugar water. Sugar water. <laughs> so if, if the corner of his mouth starts drooping down a bit, we'll know. We'll, we'll know. know. I'm on to you. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, I do wish they hadn't revealed that big moment so much in the trailers. In the trailer. And even in like the promotional material on Twitter and stuff this week, it was like one of the first shots promoting the episode and I think it would have just landed even heavier had we not seen it so much but I will I, I, I have so many questions about scrolls and everything like that because I thought we established that they could only take over the bodies of people that they had captured in those bags or like the, the, the in the mind sucky things no so scrolls no, that's on a visual memories thing. yeah they get so, their memories so from the change into anybody. anyone yeah as long as you have a visual that's why everybody in the cafe could them, look yeah. like the same person Yes, mm-hmm. but and that's it's... why also Chris Stearns was in two places at once, because he's still clearly in Europe, in Russia, with the council, but there's another scroll back in Oh, you know, I didn't States even think that there were multiple. Mm. Presentations okay, as, that's okay. true. Good I mean, call. Okay, I got it now. I've cleared up. Now. Thank you. Oh, I yeah, like No that. problem. <laughs> I like that. Um, I think it's also crazy to see his extremist healing ability working so well um, this early on in the show, and I think... It, it makes sense considering what we talked about last week, Darcy. We had some scroll science with Darcy, and you, you, know, you were mentioning how they're able to adapt their molecules rapidly changing. And so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, I think also the fact that he said he wants his story written in blood um, and how, like, you know, we literally get that moment where he sees, you know, he's looking down at his hand and he's pulling it back. And, like, this show, from a violent standpoint, I'm just like, Go for it. Let's go. Was, like, was that a butter knife that he got stabbed with? Like it looked like they were in a little tea place. And I think it might have been. I think it oh, might have been. Oh, the force required to remove it from his <laughs> yeah, hand like that. Yeah, to take that off oh. is even worse when you think about it. Oof. Yeah. So good. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think this sequence was was intense. I would have liked it to have not, as you said, Kevin, been revealed too early. I I will say though, I was. Still not fully expecting it because for some reason in my mind, I thought that this sequence took place in a like a, a like a presidential 
hall, like the like maybe like the Oval Office or something like that, because I saw presidential stuff in the background and it kind of looked like it. So I was still not fully expecting it, which was kind of nice to to kind of get this reveal. But um, but yeah, let's keep going here. Uh, as Talos leaves the meeting, he bumps into a man who provides him with the burner phone uh, and the message on it from Gaia. Uh, really quickly, uh, this was Gaia herself. Uh, one thing that I noticed on a second watch, which was really cool, is the man that she copies. You actually see him walking towards her uh, when Gravik comes out to meet her uh, in the car uh, or by the car. So, like, you can you can you know that that was definitely her running back to the car. Um, because this guy was, you know, further down the road and he was on a phone and stuff like that. So I just thought it was a neat little tidbit. Uh, but back at the local pub, we see Talos is going to town on some English breakfast. Like, like Kevin, can you put a whole, like half a tomato in your mouth like that? That's crazy. See, that's the worst part of an English breakfast is a cooked tomato and watching him (laughs) eat that. That's like on my list of foods. I don't like a cooked tomato is like maybe number one. So that just gave me the heebie jeebies, but I didn't like it. If I liked it, I could pound. No problem, man. No problem. You'd be surprised how much I can fit in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And you wouldn't even have to shape shift to do it. But, um, Fury asks him for help. And, uh, because he has a line on a rebel scroll who, is high up in the U.S. government. And Talos forces Fury to ask him in a very specific way, saying he's useless without him. Uh, after learning that Neptune is a British sub, Fury calls Sonia, who, after renaming her owl clock from Hoot to Nicholas Fury, and I love the little eye patch she puts on him, uh, informs them that Commodore Robert Fairbanks is the one they're looking for and forwards them the address. While they approach Fairbanks' location, Talos laughs at the concept of humans picking up dog poop, and then takes them uh, that conversation takes them down a line of conversation where they argue over who's actually responsible for Fury's successes. So uh, what do you think Talos was getting at here really in terms of bringing up the dog poop question um, in terms of, I guess, interspecies relationships? Uh, and then what did you think of this back and forth between Talos and Fury? Did it work for you? I think that question was a legitimate you know question because i find it myself wondering about that a lot of times too like do you think he doesn't know about cats because i feel like that's an even weirder relationship between <laughs> humans and an animal the cats own the house and true they shouldn't have like they're, i don't like cats yeah you clean up their poop and you don't even get the love and affection like you <laughs> no, do from like, a dog, at least the dog there's a, re- a relationship between a dog and a human cats are just so <laughs> passive aggressive and do their own thing that's yeah i think that's just a genuine question that he didn't expect to go down the road it w- went and i, I loved this you know, interaction where he kind of shows how much Fury relied on these scrolls that came yeah. and joined his his cause. So you can understand why some of them might be so upset if they were so responsible for his rise to power and finding you know almost his home, if you will, where they're still homeless and looking for their own. He's almost like a cat, you know. He's not showing them the love they deserve. <laughs> Although I have had some really loving cats in my past. Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody, every cat person says that. I don't believe them. <laughs> Um, but I will say the interaction itself, minus one big, huge flaw that I'll bring up in a sec, was terrific. Um, you know, these two getting to act together anytime they do is always terrific. You can see, like, they really do feel like old friends. And, you know, even at a crossroads, like, they're facing in their friendship, they're still, they still have each other's back. Mm-hmm. And at a time like this, you know, they both need each other. I think they realize that despite... You know, their their difference of opinion in certain things. They both need each other. I will just say, this show has such a serious tone. It's got, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's an adult 
you know, feeling show, but it is a bit more. Did they have to say poop? Yeah. Couldn't you say crap? A hundred percent. Dog crap. And I've been cleaning Give up. Give us a your, shit. I mean, two shit bombs in one sentence might be a lot for a, a Disney Plus show, but like, yeah. you know, this is a, you know, why do you pick up their crap? And I've been cleaning up your crap all this time. Like, right. the poop just, oh, I was just like, come on. <laughs> it just yeah. bugged me. Samuel L. Jackson does not say Same poop. poop. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think uh, I totally agree with you there, Kevin. I think that is part of some of the, the humor in this entire episode that didn't fully land with me. I get what they're going for. As you said, they're, they're buddies. They're they're It's an old relationship. It, almost like that buddy cop sort of mentality in this episode. Um, I just feel like a lot of the humor didn't land for me in this episode. And I think, um, I think back to the jokes from Fury in episode one, like, the one of him talking about how comfy the chair is in front of that that bomb dealer or whatever that gets really upset that he's sitting in like an ancient chair or an old chair from King Louis the whatever. Um, but I just felt like this this here and in the next sequence didn't fully land for me all the the sort of comedic beats. Um, but I will say the conversation I felt was a sneaky way for Talos to attempt to determine how Fury sees Skrulls. You know, are they equals? Are they companions? Are they lesser than humans like, you know, dogs? Um, and I, I think with how Fury is rewriting their history, I think he's right. To, you're absolutely right, Darcy. He's right to check him on that. Because I think like we talked about last week, Fury has probably over the years allowed the sacrifices of the Skrulls he's worked with to take a back seat in his mind to things that maybe he thought were more important. So he maybe he almost misremembers his work with the Skrulls, uh, and this is kind of a, a, a an interesting way for Talos to be like, no, dude, like, you wouldn't be you without us. So who is the companion here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I thought it was it was uh, by the end of the conversation I was okay that he talked about dog poop, um, but <laughs> at the beginning of it I was kind of like I don't know where you're going with this, Talos. Um, now, once in position, Talos attempts to sneak in as Robert Fairbanks uh, until his cover is blown and the two have to fight their way in. But they get separated and Fury ends up in the house after Talos uh, and asks him to come in over their comms, uh, which Talos does, saying, Sorry, Nick, uh, I was busy kicking Bob's ass. Uh, Fury makes it to the top of the stairs and enters Fairbanks' room only to see Talos is being choked out and held at gunpoint. But Nick is one step ahead uh, and informs Bob that no one calls him Nick, uh, and we see he's holding Robert's son hostage. Fury and Talos go back and forth playing good cop, bad cop, while attempting to get the password needed to stop the missile launch. Uh, everything from you know offering Robert's son some water to offering uh, to protect Fairbanks from Gravik to then shooting him in the leg, and eventually after Bob calls Gaia a spineless traitor, Talos shoots him dead. Uh, Talos contacts Gaia and she uses the real Fairbanks memory back at the compound to uncover the password, uh, which is his son's name, Zachary. They manage to call off the strike, pack Fairbanks' body, as well as his security detail, into the back of the van, uh, and the two come to an agreement that Talos isn't with Gravik because he's always been with Fury. So what did you think of Talos being the one to actually pull the trigger this time, uh, as well as this tense sequence? Well, this is the sequence I was talking about earlier where... Clearly, these shells are more connected to their their these the host memories than they like to believe. Because I mean, all these guards are scrolls, 
and no one's around and they're talking about you know their old ball and chain and all this stuff like right and is that was that zachary a scroll too or is he legitimately bob's son oh and wow Didn't why even would think a scroll sacrifice himself or stop you know what he was doing just because some human son was brought in before him like i feel like that connection to these memories the longer in that shell i become more undetectable maybe you become more separated from your true self and your true identity and that's what we're kind of seeing with maybe a lot of these uh, scrolls and positions of power that have been there for so long. So I thought it was very interesting to see that. Cause again, my biggest thing was like, why does he care so much about this human son? And is it a human son or is it a scroll? Like there's so many questions going on for that one little sequence alone. Well, I almost think that cause there's a, a moment where Talo or Talos, uh, <laughs> can I keep doing that? Opens the door and sees the sun. And I think that was very much to be like a reflection on Gaia right in that sense of like you know he's he's I think he truly does not want to harm Fairbanks at first because he knows mm -hmm. that he'd be taking a father away from a son um, but it is an interesting idea to think about like did he actually take a father away from a son or is this entire thing by the end of it is Fairbanks gonna are we gonna see a little like side thing on on the side of the screen of Fairbanks like hugging his son or whatever because he's now been delivered back right so um it is it is intriguing i think this entire sequence was uh was pretty intense i think i think again you know we talked about how Talos was very much uh, uh he was holding back he didn't want to shoot the the bomb dealer you know fury had to do that but then you know you see him the moment Gaia you know he calls Gaia a spineless traitor you know Talos just instantly pops him um and you gotta you gotta almost wonder you know in that moment was it that he was just so he was just so angry and that he didn't think of the ramifications or was it that fact that um Fairbanks called out Gaia that maybe reminded Talos in that moment, Guy is at the compound. She can go and get the 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 password, so we can just off this guy. That's how mad I am. I don't know. I don't know if he, if he maybe he's thinking that quick, but I don't know. Kevin, what do you think? I almost think it more shows the importance of the scene earlier with Gravik, where you know the mention of Gaia in in a certain way will just send him off the rails. Right, that's yeah. his tipping point. That's where he loses that sort of pacifist way that he's sort of known for is his daughter and you know and so th they set that up in the scene with Gravik earlier so that here you see him snap again and it's not so out of the blue for him mm -hmm. and also the fact that Gaia is called a spineless traitor like, I guess that means Gravik has told people who are higher up that you know she is the one leaking information to uh, Talos and Fury so like people know about that and the fact that that's out maybe that's why he's all of a sudden like oh we got to get her out of there now because they know true yeah yeah yeah. if it's something that was almost only he thought maybe only gravik was was suspecting Keeping her but himself, it's, he still was on the fence it's or whatever, something that's clearly, going through the entire community yeah mm, okay um and i think again the violence in this sequence it, like the shot in the leg like i was like i felt it i was like oh damn like that was that was and that was it just felt really and that was like sorry that was the good cop bad cop uh idea that i was kind of looking at of like you know fury's definitely the bad cop talos is the good cop until he isn't um and uh and yeah just uh i think it was a really that was i think that was a, one of the better moments in the episode as well um 
quickly making her escape from the compound. We see Gaia taking a motorcycle as she sneaks by the compound's front gate, uh, but she's stopped by the lights of a car, and out of that car comes Gravik, uh, who says his plan didn't fail. He uncovered who the traitor was. Gaia tells him to ask himself if he's a leader of Skrulls or their worst enemy, but before she can finish the word enemy, he shoots her. She falls to the ground and reverts back to her Skrull form. So... Starting with Kevin, is Gaia dead? What a weird waste, almost, of Amelia Clarkson, if she is. It's so odd that they would have, you know, made her such... I mean, other than the shock factor right. of her dying just halfway through. And if that's the case, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how how strongly that'll resonate. It's not nearly the same thing as losing Maria in the first episode, you know? If that's the case, we haven't gotten to know her enough, and I guess through Talos, who, we, who we're far more familiar with and have a lot more affinity for, that loss would maybe resonate through his character more than it would the actual loss of the character. Right. I just can't see. I don't, you know, did she revert into her scroll self, um, you know, to trick Gravik and make him think that she's Ooh. dead and then she'll get up later. I don't know. And they'd have to be interesting how they would show the audience that that's what happened. But uh, right. I, I just can't believe it to be true. Mm. Darcy? Yeah. I mean, I've got two theories. One of them is like Kevin said, she just reverted, you know, just to trick him and fool him. And then another one is like, what if that wasn't Gaia? What if Gaia and Ta- Talos swap positions when they, when she dropped that burner phone? Whoa! Because when the fact Oof. the fact that see that'd be amazing, but wouldn't wouldn't Gravik have reacted to her changing a bit differently? Maybe, but the thing is, the fact that Gravik uh, like came out of that meeting with with Talos and didn't look for where Talos was, he immediately started this following this old man who, again, we didn't see that interaction. What happened after uh, Talos and Gaia bumped into each other? If she was that old man, so I don't. I don't my, I've got a theory is that maybe they swap positions so that, you know, Talos could go in and get, you know, the information he needs to take to Fury. And as a result, he got his daughter out, but paid the ultimate sacrifice. I don't know. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I think I'm hoping it's more the first one where she yeah. just, you know, the, the next time episode will open with her gasping and sitting up as she checks her wound and, and reverts back to her human shell or whatever. I think I think the. I, as much as I love the crazy theory stuff, because I, I do all that crazy stuff all the time. It's all you get. Um, so yeah. Mission Impossible. That's amazing. I, right? Yes. I, yeah. yeah. Maybe I've got Mission Impossible on the mind, because that's coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think the the sequence between Talos and Fury at the end when they're saying, like, I've always been with I think that would lose a little bit for me if that wasn't actually Talos. Um, I think it's interesting to see that, that Gravik was maybe so angry about what happened with Talos when, you know, he's him saying I should send Gaia back in a body bag. I, I do like how that was foreshadowing this moment, but no, Gaia is not dead. As cool as it would be for this show to have the balls to say no one is safe, they did kind of already play that point with Maria Hill. Uh, and so, you know, I guess spoilers if you've never watched the trailer for this series, uh, but there are shots of Gaia uh, in sequences that we haven't seen before that look pretty crucial Again, to this Skrulls, plot. Scrolls, man. I know, I know. And it just looked like her. You could also argue you could also argue that they're tied to a flashback as well, right? But I don't know. Watching the trailer footage, I was like, 
she's definitely not dead. I don't know. Well, I mean, the fact that the last time we saw Gravik shoot someone, they stayed on her body for far too long. We didn't get that at all with this this one. Correct. So I've just based on this the show alone and how they deal with these big deaths wasn't enough pause on that body. Beto maybe Beto is right there somehow hiding and, and comes and rushes out and saves her. I don't know. Better it was somebody on the inside working with her and took that form as a diversion. Whoa, okay, you know? there you go. So it's just some random soldier that he shoots yeah. in place of her so she can actually get away. He's become disillusioned with his, his yes. idea for their, their people. I love it. Because it's like, you know, not to stray too far here and not to talk about something completely different, but like having been in a Mission Impossible binge mode lately, I just got oh, yeah. so many vibes from uh, Gravik in this episode that reminded me of John Voight's character in the first one where he thinks he's pulling the wool over Ethan Hunt's eyes the whole time, but Ethan knows the whole time. And so it's almost like Gravik is Ethan Hunt. And he knows that guy has been up to no good this whole time. And as the audience were watching going, he's onto her here. He's fishy of her outside the building with the old man. Like, you know, he's constantly one step ahead of her, knowing that she's up to no good. There's never any disillusion that he doesn't know she's the traitor. Uh, and so I just, yeah, there's something ha- else has to happen to make that work, or else it was just been too obvious, and it's not a real good payoff at the end if she is mm-hmm. just dead. But, you know, you've kind of spoiled it for everybody in that she's not, <laughs> which is good, which is good. <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll just be the how now. It's not the whether or not. Yes. It's the how is it's she not how dead. Is how she? are they pulling it off? And that is still very intriguing. And I think, I think the idea of, uh, you know, was it... Um, yeah, was it the scroll? Was it the 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 woman who was leading the head of like the head of security? Uh, who in the first or second episode, I can't remember. Uh, Gravik comes up, to, walks up to her, and says like, "I'm very proud of you," or something like that. It was this random sort of woman at first, but then you see her again, and she's the one that sort of um, you know sees. Uh, I think she sees Gaia on the, the security footage or camera or something like that. Um, so maybe she meets up with her and, and does that that whole thing. That'll be interesting to see. Um, but uh, let's get to the final sequence here. We see Priscilla receive another phone call, uh, and she makes her way to a high-end bank vault where she opens a box, and inside that box is a gun. She receives one more phone call, and when she tells the man on the phone that she wants to speak to Gravik, he says, yeah, well... You're talking to me. So who is, I'm going to give this one to Darcy here. Who is the man on the phone? I, I like how they tried hiding, the, like pulling the wool over our eyes by saying man on the In phone. In the, the subtitles? Yeah. It's clearly Rody. Yes. Like 100% Rody. I, I listened to it like three times. I'm like, yeah, that's Rody. It's got to be Rody. That's the man on the inside. Nick Fury was onto him. As soon as he sat down with that meeting type thing, that's why he was being so dickheadish. It was to such his a best, cavalier encounter during such a oh, serious, yeah. intense topic. Absolutely. Oh yeah, this like that's just that's confirmation that that Rhodey is a Skrull, and I love it. I can't wait to see how this spins out. Is she going to go to Fury, being like, "What's on? What's going on here?" Blah blah blah. It's great. I love it. No, not that. Not that Rhodey's always been a Skrull. Just no. that he's a Skrull right, right now. now. So he'll be in one of those mind zappy thingies and Well, last week we you know, Darcy and I had a mind zap of our own and and somehow collectively came up with the idea that, you know, the moment that um uh Rody comes out of the the meeting, the 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 UN meeting or whatever it is, uh, and then gets a phone call from Fury that the that the Fury on the phone is is a scroll. And then the Fury that is meets up with Rhodey at the 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 
par, the bar or the pub or whatever. Um, that's the real Fury. But then the roadie that he meets is a swapped out James Rhodes. And that's yeah, the Skrull so Rhodes. Between the UN meeting that and meeting. that meeting with Fury. Yeah. That's, that's when the switch happened. Took the place. Yeah. So then are we going to get some sort of like montage flashback sequence of how all of these events have transpired and where these switches would have taken place? You know what I mean? To explain all of the like that's the only way you can really do it if you do it just through dialogue man it won't work not in a show where like the physical transformations are such a key to the surprise mm-hmm. well i mean the fact that it's drawing so much inspiration from all these great spy thrillers every good spy thriller has that breakdown of how it all went yeah. down so yes exactly like that's gotta come in in five or six or something like that and yeah. credit where credit's due again eric voss uh did point out that Fury is wearing those specific glasses in that conversation with Rhodes that he also wore in the train with Talos. Um, and so it maybe they were recording something that will reveal and you can maybe he'll watch it back later. But all this being said, I'm almost on the other side of the fence now again um, from that theory because I'm wondering if if, you know, was was is this a moment where we see Priscilla being called back into active duty working with the U.S. government? Um, and so is it possible that Vara decided to work closer with the U.S. as an ambassador to the Skrull people once Nick was dusted? Um, because maybe that was the kind of relationship that she had. I mean, she was already, you know, obviously they were already working together on, on missions and things like that in the past. Um, and another thing that supports this uh, theory is that in the, in the trailer we do see a moment with her back to back with Gaia on a mission of some kind wearing the same backpack so I think like I still think she's a good scroll because I think she's going to sort of they're going to tease us that she's not good and then she actually is going to be good the whole double agent thing right but is but maybe this was a flash maybe what I'm seeing in the trailer was a flashback to uh, you know, Gaia and Vara's first mission under the rebel leadership of Gravik. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I know I'm talking in circles here, but I kind of feel like it's 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 possible that maybe she's talking to the real Rhodey and and he, you know, she wants to talk to Gravik, but he's like, no, you're you're too close to all of this. You you get to deal with me. I don't know. I don't know. Why would what, like, why would she ask? Rody to talk to Gravik. That's really losing me on this whole thing. Well, she. I think maybe she she might know where Gravik is and might be saying like, "Oh, I want to talk to Gravik first. You know what I mean? Gravik doesn't know that she's talking to Rody, but um, I don't know. I also. I seems, it seems like a stretch at that point. I'm sorry. Listen, she's can... on the phone with Gravik, knowing it was, or sorry, whoever the man on the phone is, he was clearly calling her, and this is a more than a one time phone call. Yeah. You wouldn't just say, "Oh, I, I, let me talk to Gravik." It's like that's something you could have talked about before. Maybe I don't know. It's just. I, I don't. I did I don't go back Rody and right. watch that, this roadie. I rewatched this the, man on the phone. I, well, and this is where I'm. I'm going to go even back again, which is I did watch the meeting between Rhodes and Fury uh, when he when he fires him, and the entire conversation he does call him Fury until the end. Yep. He has one Nick slip. Uh, I'm calling it a Nick <laughs> slip. Uh, and, I like it. <laughs> and uh, and and in this episode, we did learn that no one calls him. Nick so maybe that's maybe that's confirmation I don't know this show is just it's messing Ooh. with my mind man I mean if we're going Falcon and Winter Soldier she wasn't using an iPhone so she I mean if that's that gave away Sharon Carter's whole be- role in that show oh, true. maybe it's giving away Vara's in this show I don't know if they're going that route again <laughs> maybe yeah yeah she's using one of those flip androids or whatever those are um, <laughs> but 
you know, we're we're getting all speculatory here. Before we get to our final thoughts, do we have any other uh, scroll secrets uh, or theories that we wanted to share before we wrap up this episode? Okay, 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 okay. Hear me out here. Oh yes, Kev. Let's hear Kev's theory. Hear me out here. So we're clearly going to get this moment where we see some people um, that we're familiar with who have been being imitated by scrolls in this compound attached to the mind zappy thing why would they bring off Drakov? why would they bring up Drakov in this episode if it wasn't to very subtly hint that shield has in some way been trying to infiltrate the red room all this time and what if along with the bodies of say james Rody or everett ross what if natasha's there too whoa Whoa, I mean, that's Kevin. so out of left field, but <laughs> it's like, why would they? I know it's just as a, a final stinger, egg, as like a but, final ooh. stinger for the series, because especially ooh. with the show, because I do think like Black Widow does kind of feel like the the kind of uh, similar espionage thriller mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't I know how it would work, it. but. No, that would be crazy. Oh, I love crazy. It, That's exactly the type of theories you want for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that idea. And like, so then, so wait, so okay, hold on. So wait, so are you saying that she's alive and the one that died was a scroll or maybe? Yeah. Whoa. At some point, the switch happened. And, I mean, but then her whole know. relationship. Oh, but again. The relationship with Clint is established because the longer yeah, she was in the long, yeah. yeah, she oh. would have those feelings for him. I mean, it would be such a stress, but holy shit, with that uh, that would blow up I, the internet for a couple days. I love it. That would be really intriguing. That would be really intriguing. Um, even though I, I do think didn't she didn't Scarlett Johansson say like she doesn't want to do this stuff anymore? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but um, oh, I'm almost certain I saw something recently where they are in talks to do something to do more. Okay, well then your theory is correct. Your scroll oh, secret, I got it already. We don't even is, need to see it to believe it. I love it. <laughs> um, my only, I don't have much, and it's definitely not as juicy as that. I think my only scroll secret uh, this week is that Gravik, at the bare minimum, when he says we're giving. We're going to make everyone a super scroll. Initially, I was like, oh, he just means the council in him. I do think he is going to give Extremis to everyone on the compound. I think there's going to be a sequence where all of them in, on the compound undergo some sort of treatment or something like that. Um, because that would essentially, I, I think at the end of the day, yes, he's keeping all the women and children and all them not in the fight. But it's graphic. I think at the end of the day, I think he doesn't give an F if uh, if it's if it's going to be, you know, he doesn't give a poop, I should say. Um, that's, <laughs> if his, that's his written in blood. Yes, moment exactly. The, yeah. Everyone. But everyone now, is extremist. With all those people with extremists, mm. you would have to s- start calling in some big guns at this point. No. Well, you know, like that m- sounds like an Avengers level threat to me at this point. Because, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. do we think we're getting that at all? Or now that we're halfway through and they haven't shown any signs that we're getting imposter Avengers? I don't know. But like, I think, I think again, they're trying to go with the whole every man. Like, you can't trust anyone. It's not, like, the superpower thing. They're trying to differentiate themselves from that big comic reveal where it was the heroes that were the threat. And the other so. thing I'm wondering is in, in three more episodes, do they have to wrap up Secret Invasion? In the sense that this maybe is a show that starts Secret Invasion, but maybe we continue to see the ramifications <clears throat> of, 
Gra maybe Gravik doesn't die by the end of it. Maybe he dies, and because he dies, something happens that allows the greater takeover to, to continue further. Um, I'm not sure, but I, well, I think that's an, an interesting idea of, like, does do we have to be done with Secret Invasion in three more episodes of a show? Well, especially with the fact that we haven't heard much about Armor Wars because right. that was kind of shelved or pushed back a bit. And I'm wondering if, like, maybe that's because the events of this series will directly play into where James Rhodey is in Armor That's Wars. Really interesting. Why there is a need or a clamor all, again for having these suit fleets of suits to, to outfit your militaries and stuff like that. Maybe because the secret invasion is still ongoing, there's still the Skrull threat out there. I think it'd be really cool to see how this, again, it doesn't necessarily need to wrap up because this threat could be an ongoing thing because of you know, how many scrolls there are, yeah. how many factions there could be. There's a, another colony out there. Like this could only be the beginning. Emperor Droji or whatever his name is could come <laughs> in and, <laughs> and wreak some havoc. But yeah, definitely. Okay. Let's get to our final thoughts uh, for this episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five betrayals. Uh, and Kevin, we're going to start with you, my friend. Um, I, I think uh, it's another really solid entry into the show. This is the best TV show they've done in, in years. One of the best, projects they've done in years i will say i think this episode and i'm sure a lot of people actually preferred it but the shorter runtime in my opinion hindered it just a little in mm. that while we got these great simmering conversations big action reveals and moments were, felt really really rushed yep you know and i i appreciate that they spent a lot of the time building these relationships and having these serious intense conversations but like you said it was right at the back right at the start of the episode and it took two minutes and it's like extremist for everybody you know yeah. um and i think that could have been a bit more of a slow burn so i just think a couple more minutes to a couple scenes would have made the episode have the same impact that it had for me um for the first two episodes but that said it's another solid entry i have more questions than i have answers uh, and that's always so much fun with a with a show, especially a spy thriller like this. Um, I'm excited. I'm almost sad that we're already halfway through because yeah. it does feel like there's a lot of work to be done over these last three episodes. But again, I really, really enjoyed it. So on that note, I think I'll go slightly lower, slightly lower than I went for the first two, but it's still a solid 4.3 out of five betrayals. Oof. Darcy, how about yourself? Uh, I'm right there with Kev. Uh, I do feel like the, the action was kind of glossed over in this one. And the, the characters made some questionable choices just because of how short we had with them. It's like, how does Talos go from you know seeing the kid to being caught? Could have been a fun little scene to see a bit more action again. We're looking for, but wanting more to me is, is not that big of a negative. So I'll be giving this one uh, a 4.5 out of 5 betrayals because... Again, I still love the episode. Again, like Kevin said, some more questions than answers, and that's exactly what you want from this type of show. And I I can't wait to see how this all plays out into the bigger MCU picture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I I think I think for myself I, I agree I agree with a lot of what both of you are saying. I think this one was a bit weaker for me though. Um I think there's solid moments, there's solid interactions. I think the parlay meeting uh and the scrolls in the room shifting all at once and the music in that moment was Fantastic! I think the tense sequence with aborting the strike was great. The, the even the the fact that like instantly we're like she's definitely still alive. But the shooting of Gaia at the end I thought was a, a good moment and and I think a really great sort of um, you know line delivery for for uh, Amelia Clark. Um, I I think this <clears throat> this was also a really good episode for performance from uh, Ben Mendelsohn. I think it was a really good showcase of of what he can do. We got. You know, we moments of bombastic 
anger uh, to to subtle moments. Like um, there's a really lovely moment where he just smiles uh, when he thinks about how much Gaia takes after her mother uh, when he's having a conversation with Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really I really thought he was fantastic in this episode. Um, but it is messy. It's it clumsily handles the narrative to like you're saying, Kevin, speed things along. We, you know. The beginning with graphics, super scrolls, super scrolls, super scrolls. It's just like, okay, we get it. Like we're doing, we're there now. We, I, I think, I think they could have stretched that element out just a little bit longer. Because as excited as I am to get to those moments, I don't know. It just felt a bit sloppy, uh, and 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 more more tell than show, which is not something I expected after the first two episodes. Um, and I also think the the humor and the dialogue in, in a lot of the instances in this episode didn't land for me. Um, even though I knew what they were going for. I'm still really enjoying, as I said, those big moments in this show. Um, but last week was just so freaking solid um, that I was, I, I, in a sense, I was kind of like, they're not going to be able to do that good or better, you know, this week. I, I, I don't know. And so I, for me, I was at least, I, I think they didn't do it as well. Um, so I'm going to give this episode a solid 3.5 out of 5 betrayals. I cannot wait to see more uh and i can't Oof, wait to that see score what. sounds that score feels like a betrayal wow <laughs> it's a stab through the hand but kevin they're gonna use their extremist power and they're gonna repair they'll heal quickly, they'll heal quickly. Okay. it'll be fine uh but that is it for this week's episode of watch club for marvel's secret invasion we hope you enjoyed it and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in watch club well let me just stab kevin through the hand so he can tell you how you can reach us. Well, Nate, it would be my pleasure. As always, we could be reached at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a bit, a little bit too much like picking up dog crap, <laughs> uh, we could be reached on the socials, on Twitter at geekcentricyt, and Instagram and TikTok at, oh, that's TikTok, not TikTok. <laughs> We're not talking about fresh minty breath here. Sorry, that's Instagram and TikTok at wearegeekcentric. <laughs> I'm like, Kevin, maybe this Kevin is a scroll because he doesn't know what TikTok is. He's thinking it's about a Tic Tac. Um, <laughs> keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Netflix's Nimona, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, The Flash, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, Elemental, Transformers Rise of the Beast, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which we also have a spoiler-filled discussion out for that movie as well. I rewatched. That movie um, just last night in in the theater was still pretty packed. I was I was blown away, um, and uh, and yeah, just such a, it's still so freaking good. Um, Unlike Dial of Destiny theaters, which are not packed. Oh no! Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might wait till streaming to watch that one again. But we also have a ton of great interviews out now, like our most recent interview with the cast, director, and creator of Nimona. Uh, we also had some fun with the villains from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, and if you can't get enough of this show, we also have an interview out with Kingsley Benadir, Gravik himself, uh, and the director of this show and showrunner, Ali Salim. You can check those out on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Oh, I'm hot. This whole summer is hot. It's a hot geek summer. It's rolling along. And soon we're going to have coverage of movies like We've been bringing it up a bunch of times. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Everyone's going to take off their masks and reveal that we're all each other, I guess. (laughs) And then uh, we also have 
uh, coverage for Haunted Mansion coming up and Oppenheimer. Uh, and maybe Barbie. We'll see. I'd love to. I'd love to chat about Barbie on this podcast. Uh, we also have some coverage for series like Foundation season two, After Party season two, and The Bear season two. A lot of season twos. Uh, so much more than that as well. So stay tuned to find out what's next for us here. But until then, Kevin Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say. Hold on, wait, does Kevin maybe have a better option? We'll see. Can we stop saying scroll you later? So, Kevin, for the first two episodes, we couldn't think of anything, so we just said scroll you later. I like scroll you later. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, nurse. I'm against you. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> scroll you later. Kevin, you kind of sound like it could be like a crusty thing. You know, like. <laughs> oh, hi, kids. Hey, scroll you later. Scroll you later. <laughs> uh.